Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Thanks for listening. Hi, this message is for Matt. This is Corporal Hannes with the Department of Natural Resources reaching out to you involving an investigation that's ongoing. Uh, I'd like to be clear, we do not believe you're involved in the investigation, but we would just like to clear some things up with you. This involves the spread of human feces from elevated locations in and among the great state of Michigan areas during hunting season specifically. Um, we believe you may have some information on who may be taking these as their quote unquote called sky dumps. Uh, again, um, here at the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, this is something we take very seriously. Uh, we are not happy about this shitty situation. We believe catching the intruder is a total crapshoot, and it's just uh, a poopy day for all of us. So if you could uh, go ahead and just uh, text me a picture of any evidence, any uh, airborne evidence that you may come across inside the state of Michigan or in Missouri, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome back to the Generation Tom podcast. What you just heard was uh, a voicemail I received while I was out in Missouri from uh, a guy that li- regularly listens to the podcast. His name is uh, Billy Hoffman. He's a uh, he's a comedian out of Flint, Michigan. Uh, we tried to schedule him to come on a couple times, but uh, schedules just didn't line up. But uh, yeah, he gave me a call when I was on a stand in Missouri, and uh, I don't know, Joe. I thought that was uh, honestly hilarious. I was I was cracking up quite a bit. Yeah, it would have been really tough to not laugh <laughs> while you're in a tree stand. Well, thankfully it was like 80 degrees, so I wasn't oh. seeing deer anyways. <laughs> but uh, I uh, I got a I got a real good kick out of that. So Billy, I uh, I appreciate you giving us the call and. Uh, We'll still have to try to schedule a time to get you on here. Yeah, for sure. So, but no, that was that was pretty funny. But so, all right. Uh, in other news, it is uh, it's rotten time, right? It's it today is November first, and uh, no, today's November second. Oh boy, see, I'm getting old. Today's November second, and it is picking up. Um, I think the weather's going to kill it a little bit. And I want to say kill it. I know people are going to kill me for that. It's the rut. Deer are going to get up. I 100% agree with you, but it's going to be 70 degrees. You'll never convince me that's not going to affect how deer move. Um, but the bucks and big bucks are getting put down. I mean, even here in Michigan, it's it's almost a daily text now of somebody shooting me a text of of a big buck from somebody I know getting put down. So it's uh it's heating up. It's go time. Yeah. So if, even if it's seventy degrees, I'd say get in there, get in the woods, make sure you're definitely using your calls. 
Right, Joe? No. No. I did uh I did grab a my ex it was an extinguisher. Yeah. I did have it. I finally put it in my backpack. I was like, man, I couldn't even find it for a while. I just bought one before I went out to Missouri because my other call, like, it wasn't working well, which if you listen to the Missouri podcast, I kind of talk about it a little bit there. But And I bought the extinguisher. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of a a fan, honestly. I know it's, it's not what you would consider. It, it's – how do I word it? It's uh, what jumping on the bandwagon. You know, it's a mass-produced call, highly publicized call. Honestly, I grabbed it because it was cheap and it's just easy to use. And you know, I, I like it. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm sure there's better calls out there. but yeah. I easy, like that slide. Yeah, the easy use of it's nice. And I like the – I honestly, you know why I like it is I've just had good luck calling bucks in with it. I, I mean, I can't – now – you probably wonder, like, you keep calling these bucks, how come you ain't shot one yet? Well, just haven't had the right one come in. Mm-hmm. But, man, I got that video I sent you the other day, that eight point that I let go. Mm-hmm. I called him right in. Um, called this, There's another video of a spike. I called in with him, you know, or, you know, right before that. And it's just, yeah, I've just, I've had more luck than normal. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just the year, but... Are you taking them in as bad sits if you get an opportunity like that, even though it's not a caliber deer that you're looking at? What do you mean, like, bad sit? Like, like are you saying, like, oh, like, that wasn't a victory in, in a sense of hunting? Oh, no. Like, I would say my best sit this year, it's hard, man. I've had some good sits. When, I've come, when I came back from Missouri, man, I had some good sits. And none of them resulted in me shooting a deer. And only one of them resulted in me actually even seeing a shooter buck. Um, for me, this is my favorite time of year because bucks are vocal. Uh, does will be vocal. Um, you really get a good chance to, to sit around and watch how deer interact with each other, right? And now, don't get me wrong, the other good part is is you see a doe, there's a good chance there's a big buck behind her. But, you know, again, we, we live in Michigan, 130-inch bucks aren't exactly around every tree. So more often than not, I'm spent observing from a tree stand. And I would say this is how I really grew as a hunter and started to to learn more and, in my opinion, started to have more success in just observing how these deer interact um and it's my favorite thing i mean so the first day i came back from missouri i seen 10 bucks i don't know how many does and man i had bucks chasing everywhere i had bucks grunting i had bucks running all over the place i had bucks sparring bucks responding to calls i mean it was it was a really good sit actually i had a shooter buck underneath me but it was too dark um, so I didn't really count that. That wasn't even one of the bucks I counted as seeing that day. Um, and like, it was, it was super cool to watch. And then that same night, same property, I only seen two, two or three bucks. And it wasn't very many, but one of them was a young eight point. He come chasing down this doe and he got underneath me, and he snort weaves right underneath me, completely, like, just unprovoked uh, without me calling to him or anything. <clears throat> and I think that's the first time I've ever heard that in person. 
And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool, you know. So was it deep, but or was it real subtle, or no? Uh, no, it wasn't subtle. Like it was like noticeable. Like it's not loud. Like it's it's not like a grunt, right? Yeah. Where it's it, it's it's a deep loud. Like it's it caught me off guard. So like, but it was a lot longer than I expected. Like, I just thought it was like a, normally it's a shh, shh kind of thing. No, he just was a quick shh, shh. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. And it, like, Buckeye never even a shot. Like, that right there just jacked me up. So just <clears throat> me sh- sitting and not shooting deer is not a negative for me. Like, don't get me wrong, I love to shoot deer, but... I love to sit back and just watch them interact. And, and this time of year, there's not a better time, you know. I literally, even if I know a deer is two, 300 yards away, I'll pull my binoculars up on it and see if it's a buck or doe and then see how it reacts to other deer coming to the field. Um, because I I can't call that far, but, you know, and you'll just watch them and just see how they react. And it's you can learn a lot from <clears> – <throat> You can learn a lot about how to read body language. Like read body language. You can even learn a lot on just how to call just by listening to deer around you and just trying to mimic that. Um, and then, you know, you can you just learn how deer might react to different situations. Yeah. Like don't slam your fucking antlers together while deers are so close and all that. I mean... They don't naturally just do that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that he meant to do it. I think he didn't see the deer was there. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you if you guys want to see some action. Uh, Public land prowlers is uh, Spencer's had a year. Um, I won't spoil it. He hasn't. I'll, I will say he hasn't killed anything yet, but he's been on some deer and he's. Uh, it just, I think what could go wrong has go wrong, gone much. wrong for him. So, you know, go well, over. That's, that's hunting though. Yeah. If everybody doesn't have <clears throat> times like that, they're probably not. I mean, it's just so easy for that to happen. I mean, some hunting will humble you so quick and yeah, you can practice all you want until a real, real life scenario happens or a real animal gets in front of you. It changes everything. It is, uh, it can be very humbling, very quick, and it can be, at the same time, a huge ego boost really quick, right? Like, you can do everything right. I'll I'll tell a story of a buddy of mine. I was just telling you beforehand, big buck, right? He, in my mind, he didn't really do anything wrong. He shot the deer. He did hit a little bit back, but... Not far, I mean, the the shot was lethal, but something happened to deflect his arrow. So instead of going completely through, it hit and then shot straight down and didn't really catch anything. And so what he thought was a dead deer, he ended up getting back on camera a week later, still alive. And it was of no fault of his own. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, just bad luck. But at the same time, I've experienced the other end of that. I've made what has been a very poor shot, 
um, whether it be shot choice or just kind of pulled it, you know, and turned out that the deer went 50 yards and fell over. Right. You know. And in, you can be taking the perfect shot and then all of a sudden he takes a step and all of a sudden that perfect shot just turned into a back gut shot or he drops and... Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, we're dealing with live animals. You're, yeah. It's hard to predict a live animal, especially this time of year, right? Oh yeah. You could, <clears throat> you could pull back. He could be stopped, and he sees a doe, and right as you release, he takes off after that doe. Yeah. Well, your perfect, you know, double long just ended up in the back hip. You know, something like that, and I, and now you're kind of screwed. I always explain the rut as organized chaos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you can be as thorough as you want, but I. I when you get in them woods, everything can go to shit real quick. This time of year, planning—you're not—you're not planning on going. There's in no patterning. Uh, uh, you're not patterning these deer. Um, you got to get. I'm not saying lucky. I think luck goes up because bucks, bigger bucks, are more apt to be on their feet in daylight this time of year. But they're also. M- much more likely to run within five yards of you and you never get a shot um, because they're chasing does. Or they'll just be complete assholes. And what happened to me the other night, shooter buck comes down 70 yards, bumps does, they run right to me. I'm like, oh, slam dunk, I'm about to smoke this deer. No, he stopped right there, turned around and walked the other way. No, I know. (laughs) Fuck fuck this (laughs) does. Like, it's just... This time of year, do you think he checked them somehow, and then he's like, "No, they're not ready," and said, "Fuck it." I'm so. This is my opinion. I think it was the way in which they reacted, because he literally got like to them, and they acted as if though somebody just walked right in front of them and spooked them off. Like they just, I mean, all three of them, bam. I mean, like it was literally as if though someone had just shot at him. And I know they didn't because I watched them. Like there was, I was the only one hunting out there, so I know the buck is the one who spooked them. But they, the only thing I can think is, is their reaction to him was like, "I'm not gonna waste my time chasing after that," right. you know. So, um, I but yeah, I mean, it's just this time of year. I would recommend. I mean, I'll be sitting. I have all next. So I took my vacation for next week. Early part of the week, I'm not sitting all day because it's going to be warm, but next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, man, it, it tanks in temperature, and I will guarantee you at least two of those three days, and I say two of those three days is because anyone that knows me knows that I'm a huge football fan. I won't be sitting on Saturday all day, but two of those three days, I'm fixing to go out and sit all day and see what I can't do because this time of year, I've killed my biggest bucks in the middle of the day. My Ohio buck I shot at 1.30 in the afternoon. The My biggest Michigan buck I shot at 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning, so late morning. Um, and that was after, it was like November 6th or 7th, so it was after daylight savings time, if that matters to anyone. And then my Kansas buck we've seen. We don't have daylight savings time anymore. Yeah, we do. I thought they got rid of it. I'm pretty sure they got rid of it. Damn, now I gotta Google it. Hey, do you know you have to be eight or twenty one to buy cigarettes now? Yeah, that's been a thing for a couple of years. Holy shit. How the fuck did I just learn about that today? I know that had nothing to do with hunting, but it gives you time to Google it. 
I learned that word. November November sixth. I thought they got rid of it. I thought they did. I th- I knew they talked about it, but hey, it's them damn millennials. Uh, be honest, that's the dumbest conversation we've had on this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Really, that's the dumb ones. <laughs> um, I shot my book at two thirty, and I and you know what I did? I shot him and ran into. I was like, "Oh, I got down. I got down and just went to my truck." I was just like, "Cause I, I, I was like, I'm not gonna fuck up this spot anymore." I was like, "Fuck this! I got the fuck out." I don't know why. I, so I remember growing up, and I think this is kind of the evolution as a hunter. Man, someone told me. I remember the first time someone said they sat all day, and I was like, <laughs> "You're crazy!" You know, to sit ten, you know, eight, ten hours. I'm like, man, that's insane. Um, and then as I started hunting, I thought it was even crazier because I'd sit until like 11, you know, 12 and I'd stop seeing deer at nine o'clock in the morning. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, like, why would I do this all day? And then I got older and, you know, I hunt, I got a little bit more wise about hunting and, uh, realized come uh you know november like it's things are a whole lot different in the woods than what they are october 1st right so yeah i mean i've seen i couldn't even count how many bucks i've seen between that 10 and 2 10 a.m and 2 p.m period this time of year up on their feet just cruising just cruising the my, my buddy that hunts with me in ovid he shot his buck at noon just yesterday he watched it bed down, and doe came by, and as soon as the doe came by, he got up and went after it, and 25 yards, boom. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I, I think it's, man, it's tough for me to sit all day. It's just, I think it's a personal thing. Like, I get whatever, ADHD kicks in or whatever. No, yeah. I mean, some people might judge me on the next part. Don't get me wrong. I, I sit all day. Uh, you got to bring, you have to bring things to drink. You have to bring things to eat. And you have to bring something to keep you occupied. Because, I mean, think about it. This morning, I got in my tree stand at 630. It got dark at 650. About what time you got down? I didn't hunt tonight. Yeah, I I got out of the stand at like seven ten. Yeah, it's twelve hours. I'd have been in a tree stand. Fuck that. Um, if you're seeing deer, it's not hard. No, you're seeing yeah. deer. Your day goes by quick, right? But there's, in my experience, every time I've ever done it, there's always been a lull of a couple hours where you're not gonna really see anything. And yeah, I, I take my phone out. I take an extra battery pack, and I just scroll through facebook you know i mean you know I, sounds I, real I, fun it's it's not exhilarating but in my in my experience it's worth it uh when i we were in kansas for 11 days of those 11 days we were in there i think all but two of those sits were all day sits um so i mean it's just it's uh, it's not easy like i wouldn't recommend you taking a first-time hunter out and saying, by the way, we're sitting all day. I think that's a good way to get them out. But for people that are looking to shoot a, a pretty good buck or, you know, they're trying to see more deer, I guess you could say, or get 
get into hunting a little bit more seriously, I think all day sits this time of the year are the way to go. Especially, and I I kind of depended on weather, right? I said the beginning of next week I'm not going to do it, right? Reason being is ultimately like it's middle of the day it's going to be upwards of 70 degrees. Now I'm not saying that a buck isn't going to get up and cruise it's and, and look for a doe in that temperature, but it's going to be, in my opinion, a little less likely, not to mention that sit is going to be a whole lot worse. Like, I would rather sit in a tree stand and it be 45 degrees in the middle of the day than sit in a tree stand and it be 70. Because yeah. that heat barking down on you is not fun. Yeah. It's not fun at all. So have you been seeing more stuff during the mornings or night, or is it kind of just equal? Well, I have two two drastically different properties I can um. I got one place that mornings is where most of my action is going to be. Um, it's because it's a large swamp and everything's coming back in there. So the bucks are coming in there now to check and see if the does are in there, and the does are coming in there to bed down. Um some mornings out there have been fantastic. The other place, it's more open timber <clears throat> with fields. And mornings out there, I won't say they're not productive, but it's a lot slower than at night. But at nighttime, it's, it's I don't know, I, I'm still confused on kind of where these deer pop out of. But nighttime, man, that property is popping with deer but at the same token the other property that's swampland at night it's not nearly as active even though those deer coming in bed down they you would think oh well i'll see them come back out in, in the evening it's just it it it's almost rarely the case they either skirt around or they at some point during the day get up and move down to the neighbors to go out to their field and since I can't shoot onto their field, it it's I'll see a bunch of deer. Don't get me wrong, but I can't shoot any of them, so that I don't really care about deer I can't shoot at. Yeah. I do have a question since we're talking about being on somebody else's property on an ethic moral level, right? What do you say? So I got a drainage, and I had an opportunity. The property line is the drain. And this buck is cruising down the center of the drainage. Are you shooting on that line, or are you not? Um, I would say because there's no more than there's likely, no stakes or nothing. It's just, it's just the, the line goes right through the drain. I mean, legally, I would say you'd probably get away with it. I mean, I'm not talking about legally. I know I would get away with what it. What I would end up, I guess I would do is I would go and talk to the neighboring landowner and just kind of say, hey, look, if, if this deer is coming down this drainage area, what's your opinion on you and I shooting into it, right? Um, like, I have much more defined property lines where I hunt. Like, yeah. where I hunt, I have a field edge and then the woods. Well, I know of the deer's in the field. It's on the neighbor's property. I can't shoot it. But I know if it's in the woods, I can shoot it. So, yeah, if the deer is standing in the woods, I'm, I'm going to shoot it. 
and and if he's in the field, I'm not going to. And I've had that exact scenario is, play is, out. Is there Bob wire fence or wire fence? No. Oh. You just you can see the defined. But at the same time, I also know that okay, so the deer's like right on the edge. If I shoot that deer right on the edge, like the neighbor isn't gonna be overly upset. Like he's not gonna get all mad about it, right? Now, if I shoot that deer and he's five yards onto his field, he's going to be pissed. Well, yeah. And, and, and he has every right to be. But um, I don't know how I'd handle it. I mean, as far as my first step would be to talk to the, to the neighboring landowner. It's the easiest way to solve that whole problem because you ultimately, okay, if I shoot this deer here, he's not going to be upset. Or if I shoot this deer here, he's going to be mad. And the reason being is is you don't own the land. You're leasing it, right? Correct. So is being able to still hunt there more important than one individual deer? In my mind, the answer is going to be this, no. This buck was about 130 inches. Well, right, but what happens if you do lose that place to hunt? I don't know. Right. So I guess I guess I I go to public land, go hang out at Rose Lake. Yeah. So I mean, so in my mind, I wasn't gonna shoot. I wasn't gonna shoot because, but I didn't have op- He was cruising down the ditch line, and then like probably like thirty yards away from me, he he jumps onto the corn the their yeah. side and just goes down the corn line. I'm like, you. but I was in that dilemma in my head. I was like, what do I do? I mean, if and I guess I would say if you haven't talked to the neighboring landowner, but no. you have a, what I would consider a pretty... He shoots a lot smaller deer than I prefer. Right. So, but, but I mean, that doesn't justify... If you shooting. have a cordial relationship with him, then I would say, yeah, like, I probably wouldn't be too worried about taking that shot on the edge of a property line. But if you have kind of a volatile or kind of a, an on-edge relationship, again, it's, it's not worth it to me... Maybe if it's two, I mean, maybe if it's a a two hundred inch deer and I'm apparently gonna be done hunting, then sure. Like, but I, and, and even then, like, it's just easier to it's easier to make friends with your neighbors than it is to make enemies. Yeah. So, like, I can tell you, I personally would not be mad if somebody shot on my without asking me, because technically I wouldn't care either. Because technically. Half is on my property, half is on your property, 50-50. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I'll be honest. But, if, if I owned that property, I personally wouldn't care less. No, but... Now, and I wouldn't even be like... I mean, I'll be honest. I'd probably be more generous than others, you know. You know, I... What is three to five yards, you know, on my property? Now, if we're we're talking, you're set your tree stand up and it's facing into my property. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're going to have an issue. But, you know, if... if if a buck walks by, <clears throat> especially a good buck, and and someone shoots it, and it was you know just a couple yards into my property, I would I personally wouldn't care. Now, don't get me wrong, I would not fault someone for getting upset about that because ultimately it is on their property. Right. But I just I don't it my in my morals I couldn't do it. I couldn't shoot on. I wouldn't head. shoot on somebody's other unless I had permission. I would never shoot on somebody else's property. And I've had that issue. I, I had a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty inch buck. I watched run around me all night and couldn't get a shot. Well, he finally gave me a shot at thirty yards, but he was 
he couldn't have been two yards onto the neighbor's property. But for me, it wasn't worth it to to mm. possibly lose a place to hunt and get in trouble and, and, and piss off neighboring landowners for the future if I didn't get kicked off. Because that's um, technically poaching, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, I would say that's what it's going to be labeled. At. If they really wanted to push the issue, yeah, it wouldn't I, go well for me. I can tell you that much. No. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I mean, for me, I don't know. I just. Uh, I'm also like I don't have an issue hanging a tree stand on a property line, but I will not I will not face it into a neighboring property. Like I'm gonna shoot into it. Right. right. <clears throat> um, ultimately, some of the places I hunt, I have it on a fence line with two fields that are adjoining. So um, what happened is, is when it, there's corn, the deer will filter out of that corn into the field I'm hunting on. Now, if I again, it it a lot depends on your relationship with your neighbors. If I didn't get along with those neighbors, I wouldn't do that. And the reason being is, I'm not going to shoot a deer, it run over into their field, and then them tell me no, you can't go get it. All right. But <clears throat> I wouldn't say that I'm friends with my neighbors at this property but i have their number i'll text them you know here there see how things are going we have a a, what i would say a cordial relationship and as long as i keep respecting the boundaries of where i'm hunting then it's i know it's going to stay there um so i know me putting my stand there is not an issue and I, I've talked to them about it. Like, you know, if that's a problem, like, I can move it. And they said, you know, as, as long as you're not shooting out into our field, like, we really don't care. Um, but, I don't know, I think a lot of hunter disputes could be just solved by talking to people. Right. Um, and just being nice. I mean, I have uh, Mike's property. The guy that lives next door, he's an older gentleman. He kind of struggles to get around a little bit. Um, but he still wants to go hunting. Well... I think Mike, when he's up, he's helped the guy out a couple of times, you know, just with odd and ends things. And then um, tomorrow, he sent me a text today. He said, I got the clear to go hunting. And I was like, all right, man, like, I'll be over tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I'll get your crossbow all cocked back. We'll get you walked back to your blind so that way you can hunt. And, like, that was that 10 minutes out of my day? And, mm-hmm. and that dude's whole at least month of November is going to be made just because I took 10 minutes out to go help him. And now that small gesture is going to make it to where I can 100% go over and track on his property. Um, I can 100%, you know, if I needed help with something and, and I didn't have, you know, I needed someone to come out. I know he, I could call him and help him out. Um, I don't know if it would give me a place to hunt, but I'm not necessarily looking for a place to hunt over there. It's just, it's, I just like being nice to the neighbor. Like, it, yeah. it, it, there's no reason to just be, you hear of so much negativity with property owners that I've always just tried to at least be cordial and try to respect people and figure out where their boundaries are and then stay within those to prevent any sort of negativity. Even if you don't have boundaries, I mean, you do have boundaries. Like, like sometimes I just think there's a code of ethics. Like, like I was telling you that scenario where there's 
a guy that has just a field and it butts up to our wood line and uh, he has a tower blind and then he has a food plot and it, they come out of our wood line and he shoots them in the food plot and all that. And he does have like a cornfield, but the cornfield's gone now. And um, the, the neighbor of his property, because it doesn't, but our like, it's like the corner, if you corner cross, they put their pop-up blind on the corner of their lot right next to his food plot. Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you, like, purposely intercept deer from this guy? Like, that's just, like, so wrong to me. It's yeah, especially like, because I imagine that that pop-up is within probably 100 yards of that dude's blind. Yeah, yeah. It's less. It's less because yeah. the tower blind is from the food plots like maybe forty five, so that pop up line is like seventy yards in the middle of a field because that guy doesn't have no wood woods or nothing. Yeah, I would say that either someone's doing that to send a message or they're just being a jerk to be yeah. a jerk. I mean, especially if you have land to hunt. Now, don't be wrong. Like, if ultimately the person that set that there is the only place that they've been seeing deer. Again, though, I would talk to the dude who has the food plot. Like, hey, are you cool with me putting that? And, I mean, it's hard for us to guess without us actually talking to him. But I just, I don't know. So many things could just be solved by just having a conversation. Like, it's incredible. Like, how Mike and I met the one neighbor was we were hunting. We'd shot a bunch of does. It was late December. And we just seen the guy walking through the woods. And we kind of took a bit of a chance, but we set our guns down and we walked over there and we we're like, hey, listen, like, I know we're technically on your property, but we just wanted to come introduce ourselves and, you know, say hi. And it wasn't like he was coming out to hunt or anything like that. Like, he very clearly had just seen us dump three deer that he ran to us. So <laughs> it wasn't like he was too, you know, you know, I guess we weren't going over there ruining his hunt. And um, his response was actually like, oh, no, like, I'm really glad you guys came over. Like, we, you know, we wanted to meet you guys and stuff like that. If we never would have done that, I never, we never would have been able to talk to those guys. And then just, I think, the very next year, I shot a deer and it ran over there. Instead of having to search down a landowner or track down a landowner, I shot a quick text over to him. He sent back, yeah, like, you guys are good to go. And that's all it took. I don't remember how we met Daryl. Daryl's the guy, the old guy. I think he stopped and talked to us one day. Daryl Dixon? No, I, well, I know his last name. I just don't know. I, no, <laughs> Daryl Dixon's the guy from Walking Dead. I've seen like four episodes. <laughs> so you haven't listened to our Missouri episode yet. I have not. So I know you don't like calling, but... I, I brought a call out with me today. Have you tried it at all? No. I, would, I, I had fucking deer all the way around me. I couldn't call. Yeah, that's a valid point. Yeah, like, if I really even wanted to, like. Yeah. And the only one I really wanted to do was a snort weed, so I didn't need a technique. I needed a call. Oh, man, dude. I always throw one one little grunt out there before the snort wheeze. So, you know, like, I'll hit it and I wait for him to look up. Yeah. Like, not look up, but they'll look around. And then I hit him with that snort wheeze, and boom. I will tell you one thing I have learned about calling is. Tone? 
less tone. If you don't have anything around you, meaning like there's not another deer somewhere where you can see it, and you're hunting very open woods or field, more often than not, the deer, the deer's not going to come. Right. And the reason being is they can hear it, but they can't see it. Yeah. And if they can't see it, they're not going to go check it out. No, there's not going to be like, wow, I just heard a deer call on this open, yeah. on this edge, and I just looked to this edge, and there's no deer in the field. So, But... If you are hunting thicker areas, such as like swamps, you know, high grasses, stuff like that, deer are more likely to listen and trust their uh, nose and their ears than their eyes. Yeah. So, like, if you're, if you are hunting like thick areas and you're hitting a grunt, first off, you gotta, it's, it's still situational, but, you know, you can't be out there blowing on a grunt call every 10 seconds. But, well, well, like, uh, go can. I mean, it works. I just, I don't know that I would be, you know, flipping it every five seconds. Um, but if a buck, if, if you make a believable sound to a, a buck and they can't see in, you know, like there's a lot of cover in between you and them, ground cover that is, not tree cover, but ground cover they are more likely, in in my experience, they're going to be a lot more likely to come over and investigate, hey, what was that? Um, because they simply just, they don't know, they can't see it. They are also going to be a lot more likely to cut downwind of you. Yeah, you have to be careful of that. That's... But decoys, I'm really starting to get intrigued by decoys. So Mike did it last year, Shawnee did it this year out in uh, Missouri, and then another buddy of ours, JT, actually grunted in a deer with a decoy. I used to think I have to use a decoy, it's going to get a big buck to come in here and fight, you know, this decoy. But I don't know how many times I could have taken a decoy out and just them seeing that deer may have changed their mind on whether they were going to come or not. Even the other night when that doe, the, that buck bumped them does, if I'd have had a buck decoy or even another doe decoy in front of me, there was a good chance he'd have come and investigated it. What doe, What decoy would you use? Oh, I don't know. The, I forget what the dude's in Missouri. He bought one, and it, uh, like, moved in the wind. The Reinhardt one? Because that's what I got. I don't think it was that. This one's like super skinny. It's like this fucking. Nah, no, not this one. I don't know what it was called. No. I, I see a lot of people using that one that's like almost like a blow mold. The boss buck? I think it's a boss buck, but they're yeah. taking the head off and putting a real taxidermy head on it. Um, I'm not going to do that. Why not? I don't know. So he was telling me, our, our outfitter was telling us, like, he doesn't like the boss buck. He said it's too big. He said, uh. Yeah, less dominating buck? Well, he said he's seen pretty good bucks see it and not want to come in because it's, he just, it, it, it intimidates him. So the one he got's a little bit smaller and, uh, the shit, Shawnee called in a spike with it. So I don't know. I'm. Probably not going to invest in a decoy this year just because I bought two cell cams recently. Um, and I got to be careful because I have a kid on the way and I can't just keep buying things that aren't really necessary. 
Sure, just charge it. They don't really need Just charge it. Yeah, that's great financial advice. <laughs> As if credit cards don't have a 25% APR. <laughs> I don't know. This is the one I have. But it's like it's like only like six or seven inches thick. No, it's not that one. He's got one like the head. Because this like pivots and all that. You, you see like what I'm saying? The head, like the way it would sit in the wind, like the head would move and turn. Really? And uh, I don't know. Shawnee used it. And he loved it. So. Well. What's your rut report been like? I know we talked about it a little bit. Oh, my rut report? Well, today's, like, my first, like, true rut activity i really seen. Like, i seen, like, checking and dogging and, like, not dogging. Um, what's it called when they're nose to the ground and they're just cruising? Is that just something? Yeah, I know it. And I, I'm with you on that. Like, they're just. They're just nose to the ground. They're just, just basically looking. Scent checking for does. They're basically scent checking. Okay, so, but, yeah. I seen that stuff like, like maybe this weekend, either the last weekend, and a couple of days before that. But this today, I sat today, and um, I just seen multiple little bucks just going out there checking does, and then I had one bigger buck. He was out in the field, and he was just dog dogging does and herding does, and and just running off all these bucks that were trying to get in the field not even getting close to the does so that's like what i'm seeing right now so that's why I, if i really wanted to snort reason i don't know if i would have shot that deer i couldn't really tell he didn't look he was very tiny not tiny 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 not small you said it right the whole time okay i'm just making sure but he didn't have the girth i think i wanted i couldn't tell he was like maybe like 70 yards so see the other thing i know you don't like calling but like i'll call to a spike i'll call to a six point if there's not like if it's just kind of alone and the reason why i do it is because i want to see how they'll react to it yeah but the problem with why i couldn't call even if i I know tonight your situation was different because you had deer all around you but i'm just saying like like it's not i now i'll say october 1st things like that i'm not taking a call out but you know the third week in october i'll start taking them out and now, I'll be honest, I will not get aggressive. Like, if, if I hit it once or twice and he doesn't, whether it's a spike, six-point big buck, it doesn't matter, and they don't respond to it, then I won't. I'll just put the call down. Like, I'm not going to sit there and grunt at him until I'm blue in the face in the hopes that he'll come. But, like, I'll, I'll do – I will grunt or I will snort wheeze at any buck that I think I can hear it for one reason one reason only is to see how they'll react just to learn oh like that didn't really work or wow like that in that scenario that worked really well why did it work well in that scenario um and young bucks are the best to do it on because very rarely are they smart enough to go and try and circle downwind to you i was downwind through most of all my encounters like where i thought all the deer were going to be at was complete opposite luckily i had like a bulletproof kind of setup where my thermals was kind of pulling me out with the being so hot pulling me out and all that so yeah welcome to the rut when deer that have never showed up there are showing up there <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that, that's happened to me that happened to me I the mean, other night i like i seen ones where they were like hanging out i was like okay i don't have to worry about that but like they were like coming right down my wind on the edge i didn't think they would be so much in the edge i thought they'd be more in the 
in the woods. So. Especially with it being warm. With it being warm. Yeah. I don't know why they were out in the field. It was weird. <laughs> it's uh, November. It's I know. <laughs> that's the thing. It's just like um, organized chaos. But it's just like, I was like, I couldn't believe it. But I've seen a lot. I think, like I said, I, I had a lot of encounters. Probably like 20, um, yeah, around 20 shot opportunities on deer. Nothing in my, what I wanted. The next couple weeks, you get a pretty, there's a unique opportunity for hunters, and maybe not so much for you just based on where you're hunting, but the lockdown phase of the rut. And I kind of want to preface this with saying each buck is going to lock down at a different time uh, depending on what's going on. So what I'm referring to is most people refer to this lockdown phase as a buck will get with a doe and he'll breed her and he'll stay with her for about 24 to 48 hours, you know, before and afterwards. Um, And in that time, wherever that doe goes, that buck goes. So they'll generally pull him off fields. In my experience, they'll push him off the fields and they'll go bed down somewhere for, you know, a couple days, you know, and then now... They'll get up and move around, but generally speaking, they'll be in a core area. The buck is going to have them generally away from fields, and and the reason being is is he doesn't want to spend his whole time fighting off other bucks with this doe and heat, so he'll kind of push them off somewhere where he can better, I guess, protect his female. But what this does do is it allows you to stalk bucks because, and I want to Make sure this is clear. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it's easier to stalk them. It is still not easy. But they are more, they will, they will stay, they're much more likely to stay in one spot for an extended period of time, like hours, than they would most other times of the year. So you can generally game plan, generally get around, and generally stalk up to them. And. I don't have a bunch of experience, but from what I've seen is getting into bow range is not the issue. It's getting the shot off that's the issue. Because I'm more stalking it here. Yeah, because more often than not, they are laying down and you have to wait till they stand up. Well, waiting till they stand up and then trying to come to full draw is not the easiest thing in the world. But um, it's also, I, I know this by experience, the most exciting way to hunt. Any animal, um, uh, whitetail for sure. If if you ever get a chance to spot and stalk uh, a whitetail, and you are successful at it, you're gonna want to do that every chance you get. Like I'll tell you right now, if I if I the the second I get a chance to do that this year, if I do, um, I'm getting out of my tree and I'm I'm gonna go spot and stalk that buck and try to shoot him just because I did it last year in Kansas. And it was the, the most exciting single-handedly most exciting thing I've ever done while whitetail hunting. Have you ever spot stalked a deer? Yes. Did you kill it? Yes. It was the doe. Oh. And it was pretty easy in my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. From my scenario. I did have a bunch of fail ones too, so like, but uh, the it was, it just I just seen it was in my uh, back meadow and I was in a stand already and it came and bed it, 
and I got down from my stand and came over and then it stood up and I just blasted it. Gunner bow. Bow. 32 yards. I actually have it. I had it on GoPro, but I don't know what happened to that thing. Your GoPros. I see it. Right there. But there was a lot of failed ones too because I did like the same thing and I, I didn't have time to arrange it because she came around this like big, uh, big uh, pine and I was like, eh, 32. And I just like dialed it to 32 and then pulled back and let go. And I, I was like six feet over her back. <laughs> so that was probably well, me. The, the hard part about doing it with a buck locked down with a doe is now you have that extra set of eyes. Yeah. Um, and if you guys have never seen this, um, get on YouTube or order some Whitetail Adrenaline DVDs. So Whitetail Adrenaline is a group that hunts specifically spot and stalk for Whitetail. Uh, that's kind of what intrigued me into it. Um, and these dudes, some of the things they're able to accomplish on spot and stalk, but it's still like they, they, they still fail 90% of the time. But that one video, remember, I shared on my Facebook of me spotting, stalking that buck in that field. I didn't shoot the buck because it was like a two and a half dinker. But that one, I, I go down the drainage and get like 32 yards from him. I don't remember seeing that. Oh, I spot and stalk. Sorry, I didn't mean to I'll check you. it out after this. I, I guess I don't really stalk your Facebook a ton, so my bad. It was like two years ago, I think. Oh. I just went down the drainage. And this spot and stuff. I was hot as fuck. I had all my Sika heavy gear. My the you would think moving slow, you'd be like not that warm, dude. It, dude, it's it is like I'll tell you right now. That was one part of last year when I did it. Cause I, I'll be honest, I've only ever done it once. Um, and when I did, I was like, dude, I I had to take my hat off. Like I had to like I was like I was so wet and and it was windy and I was like barely moving. It's because your adrenaline is just through the roof the whole time. So, yeah, but I'm going to, I'm looking, man, I will, I love, I, I did it one time, and I'm just waiting for the next opportunity because it was, it was that cool. It's very cool. Very cool. So, what are you looking for right now in a spot? Are you looking for certain spots? Are you looking for food? Or are you kind of just going out there just with past history of are you sticking to mostly all your public or I mean your private spots right now or Yeah, I'm strictly private. I mean right now I, I next week being on vacation, yeah, I might sneak into a public land spot, you know. Um see what uh see what I can come up with. But in this time of year I'm I'm looking for where I think those are going to be. Like, that's why in the morning, that's why where I hunt in Corona in the morning, I I know those are, I know for a fact those are going to be in there. And I know for a fact that bucks are going to be in there checking them. And the same, same goes for Ovid. I know at night those does are going to be getting up and going to the field. Um, and which means them bucks are going to get right up on them and, and, and do the same thing. Now, I will say I have started to tend to avoid sitting on field edges and getting into the woods because what I'm noticing is a lot of chasing, a lot of rutting activity, you know, whether it's 
fighting, sparring, chasing all around is happening more in the woods than I'm seeing it happen into the fields. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, you'll see it out in the fields, and I, I've seen it out in the fields, but... That's all I've seen today. Uh, 90% of what I've seen has been in woods or in cover or bedding of some sort. Right, that's what you... That's what I was hoping on, too. So I was like, you know, you might get some chasing in the field, like, from field corner to corner or something. But yeah. I was like, what the hell is going on? But, yeah, I agree with you on that, just being close to cover. Close to bedding, especially yeah. with it being warm next week. I'll tell you right now, I think that the rut's not going to turn off. Let me be clear. I, I Like, yeah. it, it's... I do, th- in my opinion, I do think the rut is a little bit affected by weather as far as like when it's setting in and then does coming into heat. I think that weather somewhat affects it, but at the end of the day, the same time every year, does are going to go into heat, bucks are going to get up and chase after them. Now, a 70 degree day is. Not going to make a buck stop chasing, but I think what it does is it makes the does more apt to just sit down and just stop moving. So then the buck is going to do the same thing. He's going to sit down and he's going to, he's not really going to, you know. But the other thing is, is they have what's the equivalent to you and I about four winter coats on trying to run. I mean, imagine if you put four jackets on and tried to run around, you're going to get exhausted quite a bit faster. So he's going to have to take more breaks. So during that 70 degree weather, I think deer are going to be a little bit more apt to relax a little bit. And I want to say not relax, but not push as hard. But I think at night they're going to like in darkness when it's a lot cooler, you're going to see a lot more activity when you can't shoot them. But if you have next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off and the weather holds true, I would highly recommend you getting into a tree stand and you sitting all day because it's about to go from 70 to the middle of the day to about 45 and down to, I think, one day said 29. And I will guarantee you deer are going to be on their feet then. Promise? Is that a guarantee? Is that a Matthews guarantee? Yeah, I'll guarantee. Yeah, I I promise deer. I'm not saying you're going to shoot one, but I'll guarantee you you're going to see an uptick in activity of deer running around. All right, you heard it here first. Well, so what are you most excited about for these next couple weeks? I mean, honestly, the hunt the rut in Michigan. I haven't really got to do that. Um. I'm trying to think. Last year I went to Kansas. Uh, what did I do the year before? I don't know what I did the year before. I, I went somewhere, but I forgot. I'm not sure if I went to Ohio that year or not. And then I know the year before that I went to Ohio. Um, I just feel like I haven't got to really hunt the rot here in Michigan in a couple of years. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Um and then I work opening day of gun season. Um, so I'm not really excited for that. But my enthusiasm starts to kind of drop a bit during gun season. So I still go out a bunch. But I will 
it's just, I don't know. I mean, living in Michigan, I've kind of learned that if, if I've got a target buck or whatnot, I just, after that first two, three days of gun season, um, ultimately big buck sightings start to go down quick, you know, quick, fast and in a hurry. Yeah. Um, so it usually doesn't chill out till like Thanksgiving for me. Like in my like, and I'm not saying it's it's gonna go back to where it was. No, absolutely not. Like it's like, like. What does have me speaking of that? So what does have me excited is I think that the farmer at one property he planted winter wheat recently. He just pulled the soybeans off and he just planted winter wheat. And if he just planted winter wheat, that generally is gonna that I'm I'm hoping what that means is come end of this month you know, into December, that it's popping up. If it's popping up, man, my late season could be hot, you know, because them deer, when they start yarding up and they start, you know, getting back together, getting back on food sources, man, that green field in a a sea of harvested crops is going to be a moneymaker for, for deer to be going on and eating on. So... It looked like it. I haven't really checked it into it much more than that. But if he did, man, I'm gonna be excited. That so that is, I guess, yeah, one thing I am excited about. And I'm excited about my cell cams. Uh, You're kind of late to the game, aren't you? There. So I have. I I didn't want to get a cell cam um, because I, you know, well, like, what do I need a cell cam for? The cameras I have now work just fine, and that's correct. They do, but. What happened was the other night, I, you know, I, this time of year, all my cameras are set on scrapes. You know, I just want to see what's in the area. Well, I set a camera before I left for Missouri on a scrape. I come out and I had like 300 pictures on it. And then I seen three shooter bucks. So I'm jacked to see what's on the camera. And then between swapping out the cards and, getting changed and going to pick up my kid i lost the card so i didn't even get to check it so i was like screw this i'm getting a cell camera then i never ever have to worry about that again like i'll just get pictures sent right to my phone so i uh i bought two cell cameras two different two different kinds uh or i guess brands so we'll see what one i like better but yeah i bought two cell cams and uh now i don't i guess i have to worry. i mean i was still gonna run my sd card cams but it pissed me off, so that's why I bought them. <laughs> I see. It's an impulse decision. We'll see if it pays off. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's it's very addicting, and then it pisses you off in a sense because you'll be at work, and then you get a fucking no- notification of a deer. Or <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck this place. <laughs> fucking hate it here. <laughs> fucking deer moving right now. And uh, I'm fucking here, and you're just like, you're a motherfucker. But so, so what are you most excited about? Uh, well, like, I think deer camp with my dad and all that, I think that's going to be fun. Hopefully we get some snow. That's my favorite is if we get snow up there. Just to be up there, and I really want to just do some, some still hunting, just walk around with a gun. I don't care. I'm not going to shoot a buck up there, probably. I mean, Who knows? Maybe you'll come back with, like, a... Now, would you... Lower the standards up there. Like, no. if you see a 100-inch buck, you're not no. going to shoot it? No. I shot, a, like, a 125 up there, like, two years ago with a gun. 
Was it two or is it three? I never recover that with the 450. It was the first year 450s were allowed, and or maybe it was the year after, but I never found that deer, and that one broke my heart because that would have been a monster up there. That would have been a freaking giant. Why wouldn't you shoot a 100-inch buck up there? Because I, I got bigger ones back at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to throw out the old Michigan uh, saying, but you got two buck tags. Person, <laughs> right? If I have one down, if I have a good one down here, like just because like, let's just say I shoot like 130 or something, Yeah. my next one doesn't have to be 130 or better. Well, neither does but, mine, but, but not necessarily, like, I don't know. I, I'm not in that scenario, right. we've talked a couple of times. My standards on public to private are drastically and, different. And that would be on public, too. So Yeah, so, I mean, I would encourage you to shoot a 100-inch deer on public land. And that's big timber public, too. Right, so why aren't you going to do it? <sighs> Probably because they don't exist. <laughs> There's got to be at least one or two of them up there, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So I just you, want some dough. If you get a big one down here, yeah, would you then shoot a 100-inch deer up there? Maybe. Yeah, I think I might. I think you should either way. When's the last time you killed a buck? Two years ago. Yeah, you're due. And very much due. But that's my own doing. I like I've had shop opportunities. Yeah, believe me, I know. <laughs> but I don't know. Does that make me a, not a good hunter though? Because you won't shoot deer. Yeah. I don't know if it makes you a bad hunter. It makes you a better nature watcher. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's how I felt this year. I mean, I've passed a couple of nice bucks. Yeah, that for sure. You passed some really nice ones. I and probably chip shots. No, I normally would have shot, but. You know, I, I've kind of decided I want to shoot a buck in Michigan that's 120 or better. and so I, I, I do have this question. Since we're so established in the industry of hunting and all that, you know, or, you know, it's like the Drury's, Lee and Tiffany, and then Generations of Hunt podcast. I mean, uh, that, it might be a slim stretch, but, but yeah, you, know, I'm, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Do you feel like you have any pressure to prove yourself since you're in a pod, a hunting podcast to to kill a deer? No, I could, no. I mean, at the end of the day, I, the issue is more of how much do I care what other people think than what I'm doing, right? I. I, I could tell everybody that you don't care two shits what anybody thinks about yeah, I, you. I, yeah, I could care less. I mean, if, if me shooting, because I have a podcast, does it mean that I I need to go out and shoot 140-inch deer? No, like, I almost dusted that buck I sent you. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the reasoning behind me not shooting him wasn't because, oh, well, I have a podcast. People are going to ask why I'm shooting small bucks. Like, I don't give a shit. But... It was because, you know, I have killed a handful of bucks in that range, and I wanted to shoot something bigger. And if that means I don't get to shoot a buck this year, then, eh, so what? Like, I know I'm going to shoot some does. I'm going to still put meat in the freezer, so it doesn't matter to me. But the podcast isn't going to change the way I hunt. Like, we did the podcast because we just enjoy talking about hunting. Um and it, it allows us to bring together other people in the industry 
um, that maybe otherwise we might not get a chance to talk to or just to share information. But if someone gave us feedback of, oh, well, you guys only shoot small bucks, oh, fucking don't listen. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I, mean, I mean, no one said we're going to shoot 150s or we're going to teach you how to shoot 150s because that's not. No, I'll give you the information that I found works for me in certain situations. I mean, if, if you've hunted long enough, you're going to learn that 95% of success is situational. Yeah. I could do something at my properties that I hunt and do the exact same thing where you hunt and fucking blow the whole woods up, yeah. right? Um, and vice versa. But um, if you're... If you're someone that listens to the podcast and thinks, like, um, we're out here killing big bucks, like, our goal is to kill big bucks. I would say for, for Michigan hunters, our our goals are above average, but I'm not as patient as Joe. Like, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, if I go a couple years, that same 100-incher I just passed the other day is probably going to catch, a, you know, a fletching or two. Um but, because uh, at the end of the day, I I still love shooting animals. Yeah. Like I mean, it, that sounds horrible. If Peter probably doesn't like that, but like, it's still it's still fun to to put an animal, you know, put a big buck on the ground, whether it's a hundred inch buck or a hundred and fifty inch buck. But yeah. I have also gotten to the point like. Of letting, like, that buck I sent you, I've actually sent a bunch of people that video, and I'm sure some people are probably like, man, like, what the fuck's this dude's problem? But, like, I was jacked up when I when I let that deer walk. Um, yeah. Mainly because it's probably the biggest buck I've let walk. Um, I still got a, an adrenaline rush from it. Like, I was still shook up a little bit, you know, even though I didn't shoot it because it was, you know, pretty good buck that close. I called him in, but... Um, did you reach for your bow at all? Oh, yeah. I, I almost <laughs> shot that deer. Like, when I initially grunted at him and he came, I had my bow in my hand, and I actually went to go draw, and then I didn't get a shot the first time and then because he was chasing a doe. And then when I grunted him in and he came in, I had my bow in my hand, and he got to, like, 10 yards, and I seen his G3s, and I got a better, like, look at his body. And I was like, it's a two-year-old deer. It's a 100-inch deer. Like, you're going to be mad at yourself if you shoot that deer. And I put my bow down and pulled my phone out. And then when he walked under me and walked past me, I was like, that was, I made the right decision. And I told myself, if you want to shoot a 120-inch deer, you can't shoot him at 100 inches. Mm -hmm. So if somebody else shoots him and they're jacked to shoot him, like, I'm going to be jacked. Like, we have a guy that hunts with us. My best friend Brady has never killed a deer, in the, and I've known him since I was 18 years old. He'll shoot that deer the the second it walks by him, and honestly, I hope he does. Like, because for me, I'd be happier with him shooting that deer than if I would have shot that deer. So the two options I had going through were, well, either it's going to make it to year two or Brady shoots that deer. Both are wins for me. So, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. The way I hunt now is a lot different. I still get jacked up passing deer. I get yeah. more jacked up passing deer than I think I ever used to, which might turn into an issue. But as far as the podcast goes, that's not a deciding factor on me shooting or not shooting a deer. Now, don't get me wrong. When I shoot a deer, the podcast comes in because now I get to, like I think about the podcast because now I get to, to tell the story again. Which, if you, anybody that listens to this and knows me personally, knows I love telling deer stories. Right. So, uh, th- that's the only time the podcast really comes in. And I mean, I, sometimes I'll take pictures or videos and stuff like that and send them to you to post up on like TikTok or post up on Instagram um, for the podcast, like just kind of like for content. But my decision making is never because at the end of the day, uh, don't give a fuck. <laughs> like I, I hunt to make me happy, and that's it. You know. And that's how it should be. Yeah. It shouldn't matter if you're going out to hunt spikes or. And I wouldn't if somebody shot fucking spikes and they had their own podcast and all they did was shot spikes and they still talk about hunting big deer and all that. I wouldn't say they're any different. No, I mean they're just out there bullshit. I mean they're yeah. just having fun, like. Yeah. You know, I it's it's deer hunting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like them two deer I killed, I fucking earlier this year, man. I never, man. I got so jacked up. I I, I felt stupid in the woods because I like I was like I just shot two deer in twenty seconds. Holy moly! <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's like one wasn't a great shot and all that but i i was like well it didn't look so bad I was like, let's take down the stand and i was just like and i walked up and i just seen blood on the other one blood on the other arrow because they both broke off i was just like this like game over i was like losing it i was like <laughs> i'm going back to camp and i was so i don't know them two deer meant a lot to me yeah i don't think people can understand i don't i mean maybe if everybody listens on or they'll understand like like i well, shot a bear i think them doe were more exhilarating than shooting well i mean bear. it's cool to go back to camp and like that part of like that's that's why i love going on those hunting trips like to go back and talk to everyone listen to all the excitement um you know, so like you, you got to shoot those deer and you got to go back and talk to, and a lot of those, a couple of those people were people you'd never met until you went up there, right? I, like 99% yeah. of them. You know, so you got to share that and, and, and that's one of the best parts. And the same was for Missouri. Like when the, you'll, you'll know when you listen to the Missouri podcast, like nobody killed a deer. But we would see big bucks, and, man, we couldn't wait to get back to camp and share it with uh, Steve and the guide or share it with the people that, you know, the literally tell the same. Like, we already told each other via text, like, but we, we wanted to tell it again. Mm-hmm. And it's just – and when it, and that's part of the reason my Kansas hunt will always, will always be probably one of my favorite hunting memories was because you got to share it with other people. Yeah, that's you know that's what. And then, like for you, you did it up in public land. You know, you you scouted all that and stuff like that. When, when you put a little bit more work into it, it means a little more. Yeah, for know? sure. Even though, 
you know, it was a couple of does, right? It, it's not like it was a world record buck, but them couple of does were earned a little bit more than what you might get back home. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I can imagine it was a yeah. pretty cool thing. Now, did you think about the podcast the whole time? Absolutely not. Yeah. Do you think that you change the way you hunt based on what people think? Your small time podcast. No, I absolutely not. Like, I don't. Like, yeah, I'm always thinking about bettering the podcast. Would it be a better story for a bigger deer? Of course, that's whatever. But that's not going to affect my decision. I I was I was passing them deer before I had a podcast. Yeah, you're pissing me off before we had a podcast. Uh, exactly. So <laughs> I mean, it it's that's that's I'm chasing a different kind of high. You know what I mean? And two two doe can do it. Or it has to be 140. My inch issue butt. now is I'm starting to get a little too stingy on does during bow and, season. Like I gotta, am, I want to rubbing kill, off on you. Well, I want to kill deer with my bow, but like, man, the last two years, I don't know what the issue is. Like, I I need to get my head out of my ass and start like shooting some does early season because yeah. I keep like, I don't know, man. I don't have a good explanation for that. But now during gun season. If it if it don't have any buttons on it, it's fixing to get dropped. (laughs) (laughs) And then you know it's just I don't understand why. Because I would I would much rather if you gave me Matt, you either have you have one choice to hunt with the rest of your life, bow or gun. I would say bow. Oh yeah, for sure. My dumbass won't even shoot anything with it, but I'll go out with my three fifty and just start dumping deer. Like I'm excited to use that gun too. Three fifty. The three fifty legend. I love mine. I ordered a barrel, and it's probably not gonna come in time for gun season, so I'm about to just go buy a fucking gun. I just have a pretty basic uh, savage. That's what I was just gonna access, but it has to have a suppressor thread on it. <laughs> I don't want to use my suppressor this year. I don't know if mine has a suppressor thread on it. I doubt it. Because I have never looked into that. But I would imagine it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. But that's what I really want to use. But not for down here, though. That's for up north. A 350? Well, I can use my 6.5 up there. but Yeah, I'd rather use anything. I mean, 243. I don't own a 243. I don't know what to tell you then. That's like the most popular caliber. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I used when I went up there. I borrowed it. Mm-hmm. Well, any closing arguments, questions, concerns? No, we didn't argue at all today. Today went well. Yeah. Mike's going to be so proud of us. Yeah, we're getting along. Yeah. Since we didn't see each other, I apologize to anybody that was hoping for an episode last week. We're hunting. We're hunting podcasts. I'm getting hunting. Well, you were yeah, gone. I was gone, and then I came back and had to go back to work, so getting together is just kind of rough. Yeah, it's rough. We, yeah. You know, everybody, I think, should understand that we're all out just grinding. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have thousands of banked episodes. I can just put out one from. <clears throat> Maybe next month. Maybe next time. But, no, I mean, uh, other than that, I would say uh, check out check out Billy Hoffman. I, I thought that was pretty neat that he just shot me at call, and I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I, I believe he's part of, like, what is it, Dad Bod Comedy? Dad- Dad bad comedy tour. Yeah, I'm I don't want to sure. mess that up. So I'm, I'm pretty Billy, sure. Billy, if we that. messed it up, I apologize. But Billy, uh, he listens. He listens to almost all the episodes, if not all of them. So we appreciate the fact that you you do 
spend time and listen to him. And then, uh, you know, guys, go check out. I'm, I know he has stuff on YouTube, and he's a local guy. He's right from Flint, Michigan. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty funny. And hopefully one day we can get him on here and share some stories. I imagine that would be quite the episode of us uh, trying to keep it together. Yeah. Yeah, so – but other than that, I don't have anything. Hopefully next week I'll uh, tell you about the 200-incher I shot, you know. Yeah, oh, you got it too. Podcast the, the, views, 200-incher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trophy tape approved. <laughs> <laughs> so, but other than that, I don't have anything. I'll, I'll see you guys next week. All right.